Shalom, and thank you for listening to sermons from Tikvot Israel, a Messianic synagogue in the heart of Richmond, Virginia. Listening to the podcast is great, but if you want the full experience, please join us Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. for our worship service. We are located at the corner of Boulevard and Grove, across from the Art Museum. For more information, you can visit our website at tikvotisrael.com. There, you can support the ministry, learn more about Messianic Judaism, and contact us with any questions or comments. May Hashem bless you through the hearing of His Word. Mary and I were out of town last weekend. Uh, We spent the week up in uh, tropical New Jersey, um, spending some time with our uh, daughter, Alicia, her husband, and and the three grandkids. And uh, In fact, on New Year's Eve, we were babysitting so that uh, Alicia and Oscar... uh, could go to a football game. He's an avid New New England Patriots fan, so they went up to Foxborough, Massachusetts, and I think it was like one degree or two degrees at that stadium when they were there. They were talking about how people had drinks in their hands and they were freezing, turning to slush, but um, but they're they're, uh, avid uh, Patriots fans and they enjoyed the game. They, They beat the Jets, no surprise. And so, as usual, the Patriots are on to, you know, the playoffs, while, while those of us that are Redskins fans or others would just say, well, maybe next year. So, our Giants, yes. <laughs> well, they, they, at least they, they beat the Redskins this year anyway. So, but anyway, um, yes, it, is, it has been very cold, and of course, I was thinking, you know, well, it's been so cold, I thought maybe a couple of, you know, cold weather jokes. One of these, like, it's been so cold. Yesterday, I, yeah, how cold was it? Yesterday, I chipped my tooth on my soup. It's been so cold. Roosters are rushing into KFC to jump in the pressure cooker to get warm. It's been so cold. Starbucks is now serving coffee on a stick. And finally, it's been so cold, the farmer milked his cows this morning and he got ice cream. Bada bing. This morning, I would like to talk to you, uh, my sermon is around a particular verse, and it's titled, Does Jeremiah 29.11 Apply to You? Jeremiah chapter 29 and verse 11. It's a familiar verse, one that we have heard quoted many times. It's a powerful, uplifting verse. It gives comfort. It gives hope. Let's read it together. There we go. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. This verse has become very popular in American culture these days. You see it everywhere. I bet you some folks can even quote it better than John 3.16. All too often, we approach this verse as kind of a security blanket. We see it as, well, God has a plan for me that is good, so clearly this suffering I'm enduring right now will end soon, and then my flourishing will begin. I'm going to be rolling in the bucks and living on easy street. But that is not what God was promising to Israel in the time of Jeremiah, and not what he promises us either. 
So, does Jeremiah 29.11 apply to us today? Well, the answer is yes. But maybe not in the way some people claim it to be. So let's look at the context of this verse, okay? All right, this is kind of the, set the stage of where things were at at this time. The divided kingdoms of Israel and Judah were spiritually a mess. They had been, there had been a succession of kings that had done evil in God's eyes. They had preferred to worship idols and do all sorts of despicable acts. Finally, God said, enough. He had Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, send an army to defeat Jerusalem and carry off the king, his family, his court, and a large portion of the people of Judah back to Babylon. Now, Jeremiah was a prophet during this time. Multiple times, God had him warn the kings of Judah, along with the priests and all the people, about the coming calamity. Jeremiah wasn't a popular guy. In fact, he endured a lot of suffering as a result of the messages that he had to tell the people of Judah. It wasn't a fun job. Let's look at Jeremiah chapter 26 and kind of get the context some more here. It says, In the beginning of the reign of Jehoiakim, son of Josiah, king of Judah, this word came from Adonai's saying, Thus says Adonai, Stand in the court of Adonai's house and speak to all the cities of Judah that come to worship in Adonai's house, all the words that I command you to speak them. Do not admit a word. Perhaps they will listen and turn every man from his evil way, so I may relent of the calamity which I am planning to do to them because of the evil of their deeds. Then you will say to them, Thus says Adonai, If you will not listen to me by walking in my Torah, which I have set before you, and by listening to the words of my servant, the prophets, whom I have been sending to you early and often, but, you, but have not listened, then I will make this house like Shiloh and will make this city a curse to all the nations of the earth. So, what did all the people do when they heard Jeremiah's prophecy? Did they say, oh, thank you, Jeremiah, for those wonderful words. We really feel bad and sorry for our ways. No, they wanted to kill him. Let's read on in verse, 20, uh, verse 8. Excuse me. Now, when Jeremiah finished speaking all that Adonai had commanded him to speak to all the people, the Kohanim, that is the priests and the prophets and all the people, laid hold of him and saying, you will surely die. We're going to get you. We're going we're gonna to finish you off. They were ready to kill him. They hauled him off before the king and the princes, and they all said, death to him. All of them were saying, okay, yeah, it's just a question of how are we going to execute this guy. But it took the intervention of a few of the elders to stop the king and the priests from executing Jeremiah. They reminded everybody about the prophet Micah during the reign of King Hezekiah, who prophesied Jerusalem would be destroyed, but the king and the people repented, and God spared them. They said, yeah, just, you, know, you know, the last time we had a prophet say something about this, and uh, you know, when we repent, repented, you know, things got good. It was okay. 
So, so they spared him. So Jeremiah lived, but unfortunately the people did not repent and his prophecy came true. So meanwhile, there was a remnant of Judah that stayed behind and were not carried off to Babylon after this major calamity. Another prophet rose up. Chapter 28, verses 1 through 4. If you could bring that up, please. There we go. Now, it was the same year in the beginning of the reign of Zedekiah. See, Zedekiah was the Nebuchadnezzar kind of left or put him in charge of Jerusalem when, that, when he carried the, the previous king off and a bunch of the entourage. So he was kind of like left in charge there. In the fourth year, in the fifth month, that Hananiah, the son of Azar the prophet from Gibeon, spoke to me in the house of Adonai, in the presence of the Kohanim and of all the people, saying, Thus says Adonai Sevaoth, that is the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, saying, I have broken the yoke of the king of Babylon. Within two full years, I'm going to bring back to this place all the vessels of Adonai's house that Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, took away from this place and brought to Babylon. I will also bring Jeconiah, son of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, back to this place with all the captives of Judah that went to Babylon. It is a declaration of Adonai, for I will break the yoke of the king of Babylon. Hananiah prophesied peace for all of Judah. He said, hey, everything's going to be great. You're going to be back in Jerusalem within the next two years. No worries. Peace and prosperity for all. Trouble is, his prophecy wasn't true. Sounded great, but it was wrong. Verse 15 and 16, continuing on, it says, Then then said the prophet Jeremiah to the prophet Hananiah, Hear now, Hananiah, Adonai has not sent you, yet you have caused this people to trust in a lie. Therefore, thus says Adonai, I am about to send you away from off the face of the earth. This year you will die, since you have spoken apostasy against Adonai. Yes, Hananiah was wrong. Dead wrong. Here is what God told the people through the true prophet, Jeremiah. Chapter 29, starting in verse 4. Thus says Adonai Sevaot, the God of Israel, to all those in captivity, whom I removed as captives into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and live in them. Also plant gardens and eat their fruit. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters to husbands, so that they may bear sons and daughters and multiply there and do not decrease. Also seek the shalom, the peace, of the city where I took you as captives in exile, and pray to Adonai for it, for in its shalom you will have shalom. So they were in exile. They were in a foreign culture, in a foreign land. They had been taken from their homeland. But God said, be fruitful and multiply. 
Much like for believers in Yeshua today, the culture around us can seem foreign. You know, I'm reminded of an old hymn. You may have heard of it. It's called, This World is Not My Home. It kind of goes like this. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. <laughs> you see, relief would eventually come for Israel, but not swiftly. He encouraged them to marry, plant vineyards, and to seek prosperity in their current place. See, this is true even today. For the Jewish community spread across the world. Yes, today there is a Jewish nation of Israel. But in spite of all things that have happened through history, persecutions, the Holocaust, all these things, Jewish people survive and even thrive. So we come finally to verses 10 and 11 in Jeremiah. For thus says Adonai, after 70 years for Babylon are complete, I will visit you and fulfill my good word to you to bring you back to this place. And here's the verse. For I know the plans I have in mind for you, declares Adonai, plans for shalom and not calamity, to give you a future and a hope. It would take 70 years. Pretty much the generation that was carried away would be gone, but their descendants would return to the land. And continuing on in verse 12, it says, Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you will search for me with all your heart. Then I will be found by you, says Adonai. As we learn to bounce back from painful situations, we find the power of resilience. Israel learned resilience. The dictionary defines resilience as an ability to recover from or adjust easily to misfortune or change an ability to recover or adjust easily to misfortune or change. Here's a fact. You will experience misfortune and change. Pretending otherwise isn't healthy or realistic. How you deal with misfortune and change determines your joy. God's heart in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11 is not that we escape her a lot, but that we learn to thrive in the midst of it. Learn to thrive in the midst of it. In the words of Yeshua, in John 16, verse 33, these things I have spoken to you, so that in me you may have shalom. In the world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have over, I've overcome the world. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. What does it mean for God to have a plan for my life? I once heard an interesting analogy. 
You know, as humans, we live in the day. We can think about yesterday, what happened, or think about what tomorrow will be like, but we can't actually see tomorrow. But God can. Imagine your life as a journey from point A to point B. If you're on a journey, you may pass through forests, climb over mountains, ford rivers and streams. You can't necessarily, you can't see the end point. You might have a map, and in today's world, you might have a GPS, but you can't see the end point. And you really don't know what you will encounter along the way. It might be a traffic jam. It might be an accident. Your car could break down. If you were walking, you could twist your ankle, or even worse, break your leg. The GPS might say you will reach your destination in five hours, but something could happen, and it could end up taking 10 hours or 10 days. But from God's view, he sees all. It's like he's sitting up there in a helicopter hovering over, or maybe a, dr a drone today. But he's sitting up there, and he looks out, and he sees your starting point and your final destination all at the same time. He knows the plan he has for you. He knows when the river will be flooded and you can't cross. But he also knows where there is a bridge and you can cross. He knows when the mountain is going to be covered with ice. But he also knows when the sun will shine and melt the ice. Yes, God knows the plans he has for us. And ultimately, he will give us a glorious future. But as we walk out our lives on this crazy earth, let's remember that the best growth comes through persevering through trials, not escaping them entirely. And when we learn perseverance, we find surprising joy. What hard things are you currently going through? In the midst of your trials, cling to Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11, but cling to it for the right reason. Not in the false hope that God will necessarily take you away from the difficulty, but in a true gospel confidence that he will give you hope in the midst of it. Shabbat Shalom.